Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. All-star closer, Kenley Jansen, we have a question. What's the best podcast of all time? Baseball isn't boring, baby. I'm Rob Bradford, and every single day I'm sitting down with the biggest names to show you this great game is the greatest game. It's my podcast. It's my passion. It's a cause I started more than two years ago and is now the most prolific national daily baseball pod there is. Another fact. So jump aboard the B.I.B. Express. Follow and listen to Baseball Isn't Boring, presented by Wasabi Hot Cloud Storage on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back, everyone. I'm excited. Um, I believe it was last Sunday or the Sunday before we tried to have Andrea Jenkins, uh, council member, on to discuss cultural districts in Minneapolis, and she is joining us tonight. How are you, Andrea, with your busy self? <laughs> I'm wonderful. I'm wonderful. How are you? I'm doing well. My goodness, we've been through a lot since 2020, and you've been at the forefront of some of this. Um, and I'm really curious about cultural districts in Minneapolis. I had heard about them before, read a little bit about them, but can you give us the definition of what a cultural district is? Well, uh, good evening, uh, Geraldine, and to all of your listeners out there Um I'm honored and delighted to be here with you today and that we could finally make it work. Um, Cultural districts are parts of town that reflect a certain cultural identity. So, for example, you know, a lot of people travel around and almost every city has a Chinatown. I think that would be considered a cultural district. Um, and, you know, um, yeah, in, in Atlanta, there's um, um, sort of the MLK and, you know, sort of all the things that are associated with the King household and Ebenezer Church, like that's a cultural district. But mm-hmm. here in Minneapolis, how we have defined cultural districts is a community or a corridor. In fact, we define it as a corridor. Um, So one contiguous street that represents a particular culture, and then the city of Minneapolis will try to uplift and support that culture through business and economic development activities, through supporting cultural um, uh, activities such as, so for example, Broadway Avenue is a designated cultural district. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that they do annually is an event called flow. And, um, and so the city, we will try to support that kind of activity by waiving fees for, um, police, um, Protection, protection, and 
you know, closing off the street and, you know, getting those waivers that you kind of need to pay for to make those things happen. Um, We also target our program called the Commercial Property Development Fund, which helps small business owners to purchase uh, properties that they have their business in, but they don't necessarily own the property. Um, And we only target those funds to um, cultural districts. So we have seven cultural districts in the city of Minneapolis. One is the 38th Street Corridor, which is unfortunately now where George Floyd was murdered. But we have been, you know, that's been a a African-American cultural district for decades and decades. So we're we're really trying to highlight and uplift the the contributions that African-Americans have made um, to this city, particularly along 38th Street. Another cultural district is Lake Street. Then you go down to Franklin which is a Native American sort of cultural district, mm-hmm. Cedar Riverside, Somali, um, Broadway is a more African-American cultural district, and Central Avenue. And so um, uh, Central Avenue and Lowry Avenue. So these are some of the cultural districts that we have identified um, in the city. And we try to prioritize resources, um, prioritize technical assistance, and and really try to highlight and uplift the cultural events that define those communities. Yeah, I think what surprised me the most about this is um, that city officials uh, really felt that the desires of the community members um, really wanted to prevent displacement of residents in gentrifying areas. And I was, you know, it just kind of shook me when I read that because we know that in so many of these cultural districts, gentrification is real and it is happening, right? So um, with yeah. that said, does it pre- does do the cultural um, districts stop mm-hmm. displacement of residents? Well, you know, we hope it does. You know, I'm not sure if there's one specific way to stop displacement, although I would say that probably the biggest way to try to stop displacement is through ownership, right? And so therein comes our commercial property development fund, which we try to help small business owners um, who have been in the community, who represent cultural communities, to purchase the building and properties that they live on. In addition, we have home ownership opportunities for um, homeowners along and around those cultural districts to try to ensure that we don't let gentrification displace, excuse me, long-term community members. It's very much a a deep concern, um, and I think we've recognized that and and really trying to bring in some tools to help eliminate that. And and like I said, I think home ownership and ownership, period, is one way to really combat um, displacement. So what type of tools are you speaking of? So one is the Commercial Development Property Loan Fund. Mm -hmm. Um, We also have... um, Homeownership opportunities and homeownership support 
for we do because over here in North Minneapolis, there are so many seniors that are losing have been losing their homes over you know maybe a decade or so, and it's really disturbing mm-hmm. to me. So I know that um, we're we're looking out for we're trying to define and watch out for. Um, all of the changes that are happening in these cultural districts. But I do want to talk a little bit about the Minneapolis 2040 plan. I was just telling my mm-hmm. in-studio producer earlier tonight, there's always a plan, and they plan way out you know, to make right. sure there's plenty of time for them to get done what they want to get done. Would you agree with that? I, I do agree with that. So, you know, the 2040 plan, so just for, for pure context, the – each city in the state is required to submit a 10-year plan every 10 years um, and submit that to the Metropolitan Council mm-hmm. um, or to the state of Minnesota. So you have to say, how are we going to manage building housing, economic development, sewers, and roads in the next 10 years? The 2040 plan that I think you're referring to is is what we're calling the Minneapolis um, 2040 plan. And that was really designed to, again, help with the displacement that you talked about. By building more housing, we're able to um, lower the cost of housing in the city. And up until now, um, there have been sort of rules and zoning regulations that says Minneapolis can only build single-family housing. And if you want to build multi-family housing, you have to get waivers and variances, and there's only certain places that you can do this. And so what we did, what the 2040-2040 plan does, is eliminate those zoning regulations and allows you to build duplexes, triplexes, multifamily homes all over the city. The the practice of only building single-family homes was a way to keep white neighborhoods white. You know, if you only have single-family homes and then you redline and you sort of um, uh, obstruct people's opportunity to purchase, you can keep the community white. You know, I, I've been thinking a lot about Lorraine Hansberry and her play Raisin in the Sun. Mm. Um, and that was, you know, that was a part of the younger family's um, uh, challenge, right? Is that they couldn't buy a house in the white neighborhood. I mean, they had um, challenges anyway. And that has been a real reality here in Minneapolis. So the 2040 plan, which right now the city is being sued for um, by people who want to maintain the status quo. Um, And, you know, so we are litigating that in court. I think the city is going to prevail. Well, I tell you, I'm I'm surprised that these are seven, excuse me for interrupting, but these seven Mm -hmm. cultural districts, are we ever going to add more of them? You know, I mean, I think they are um, really connected to, we try to do our homework up front. So we have it where we have low-income tracks based on census tracks. 
um, and other, there's a, a process called ACP50, uh, which stands for Areas of Concentrated Poverty. So we we looked all around the city, and these were the areas where we found that those um, realities were happening. Mm. There's not a lot of other places where that is going on. And if we have so many, if everything is a cultural district, then it really doesn't mean much, right? So I think we want to limit cultural districts at this point and try to really understand uh, how they are functioning and how they are working. And if we need to, I think that's something that we can look at and think about in the future. But right now, I think that we have them in the right place, Broadway, uh, Lake Street, Cedar Riverside, Franklin Avenue, again, the Native American community, um, uh, 38th in Chicago, which is African-American community, which I represent. It includes the Bethany Community Center, George Floyd Square, um, so many black and brown-owned uh, businesses that used to be there that are coming back. Um, you know, so I think we have them in some pretty good places. I, I, I will not say that there shouldn't be... Um, opportunities to have more in the future. Thank you for that. That's what I was waiting for, because here's the deal. When you said that funds are being involved in this, then we should absolutely have more. If there are funds where we could really make a statement with one of the cultural districts, you know, a new one that's coming forward, that sort of thing, why not? Mm -hmm. Why not ask for more? Because really, it's the the people that live in these cultural districts that have an understanding of what that means. It has an understanding, they have an understanding of what living in those districts really mean to them. So that's important. So even if we we have seven right now, if we get, you know, maybe three more, I'm not upset about that. If there's funding for it, Um, I would love to see that because it really does move people to say, I live in this cultural district and it means a lot to me. And I've heard that before. Yeah, no, that's real. That's very real. And, um, you know, we've we've been kind of on the neighborhood um, process in the city of Minneapolis, but never really having districts and so but it's also so like we have the northeast district and i mean um what do you call it um the north loop you know that's oh north loop okay but they don't really need the resources right i mean it's a it's a pretty stable income community um and while it it is a cultural district there's the baseball stadium, the basketball, the food, the restaurants, um, theaters, and entertainment. Mm -hmm. But they don't need resources. Broadway, Lake Street, like they need that kind of support. Exactly, exactly. Um, I've been reading from an article um, that's called A History of the Minneapolis Cultural Districts by Tiffany Bowie. Um, and it's really mm-hmm. important for us to know exactly what it means uh, when it, when you say cultural districts. I will say that they consider this a national movement, national movement to create cultural districts. In fact, in the article, it says cultural districts are a global phenomenon and they come in all shapes and sizes. There are 19 states that have formal cultural district programs like Iowa, Louisiana and Rhode Island. 
Um, they were early adopters of the policy, according to Tom Borup, who wrote his doctoral dissertation on cultural districts. So um, for me, <laughs> when you read something like that, that means uh, not enough of us know about cultural districts districts, and uh, it's something I would love to, to hear more about and, and maybe even talk more about on my show. And I'm just hoping uh, that... Oh, um, Tom is local, right? You know, Tom Burke lives in this community, lives and works mm-hmm. here. Um, he's married to uh, Harry Waters Jr., who I think you may yeah. know or be familiar with. Um, and so, you know, I would love to come on and talk with uh, Tom and you and talk well, about. We'll see. District. We'll see if we can make that happen. I'm so sorry we run out of time, Andrea. Thank you so much for joining us. Council member Andrea Jenkins um, has been joining us, and I really appreciate you giving us your thoughts. You take care of yourself. Thank you so much. Have a great evening. You too. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. 